the right to disconnect. It's a policy gaining traction globally. Joining us to talk about what it is and why it's important, digital strategist Scott Kleinberg. Good morning, Scott. What, what is the right to disconnect and why are we talking about it now? Morning, Bob. Well, the right to disconnect has been making headlines, especially in countries like Australia, which is why we're talking about it. And the right to disconnect is what it's come to be called. It basically gives workers the right to not respond to work-related issues outside of their regular work hours unless it's an emergency. And the proposal has sparked discussions worldwide about the importance of work-life balance and then the impact on constant connectivity on your mental health. Hmm. This sounds like a step in the right direction. How how do right to disconnect laws work in other places, in other countries? Well, they vary greatly, that's for sure. And not everyone has them, that's also for sure. In France, for example, I know that companies with more than 50 employees, they have to negotiate times when staff should not send or answer emails, which is interesting. In mm-hmm. Italy, companies have to give employees a 10-hour break between work days. That's a good idea, I think. And these laws, you know, they aim to protect employees from being constantly on and ensure that they have time to rest and recharge outside of the workplace. What are some uh, some of the challenges that companies might face implementing right-to-disconnect policies? I, I think one of the challenges is balancing the need for employees to disconnect with the demand of a globalized 24-7 business environment. The world has definitely changed. Companies also need to establish clear guidelines and processes for when it's appropriate for someone to contact an employee outside of regular hours. And they have to educate employees and managers about the importance of disconnecting. You know, I wonder if uh, some pushback on this is, well, if you're uh, not going to communicate with me for a certain period of time, is that just going to make for a, a, a tougher workday for me when I do, you know, get into the office or, or get back to the work hours? All of a sudden things have piled up. Uh, do you hear that? I, I, I don't, but I feel it because that is definitely something that would happen to me. I would almost rather get it out of the way first, but at the same time, I appreciate the right to rest in between and the feeling of the need to rest in between. <laughs> uh, well, how can uh, employees and employers work together on this to, to make the right to disconnect policies a uh, success? I would say communication is definitely the key. Employers would have to clearly communicate the policy and expectations to employees. But at the same time, employees have to feel comfortable discussing their needs and concerns with their managers. And you have to set boundaries and create a culture that respects this kind of work-life balance to help ensure the success of the policy. I mean, we can't say things, I mean, we can, we can say things like, like, you aren't required to respond now. I had a boss a long time ago who had something in his email signature, and it was like, just because I sent this after hours doesn't mean you have to reply now. Tomorrow <laughs> is fine. I always <laughs> thought that person was way ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah. Do you think we'll ever see something uh, this comprehensive here in this country? I honestly, Bob, I think it's unlikely we'll see a nationwide policy like this in the U.S. You know, there's cultural differences. There's emphasis on being an individual and everybody has a different work ethic, like you were saying before about things piling up. 
However, I think some companies in the U.S. are already implementing somewhat similar policies because they want to promote work-life balance and they know the importance of employee well-being. It's a gradual shift, and I believe we'll see more companies adopt principles like this in the future. Talking with digital media strategist Scott Kleinberg, all this has been pretty interesting this morning, Scott. How, how do you think the right to disconnect impacts industries that rely heavily on social media? I think that's a great question. I think that industries that rely heavily on social media face unique challenges because employees may feel pressure to be constantly active on social media. They have to keep up with trends. They have to engage with audiences. But in this case, too, setting clear guidelines and boundaries, and you can use scheduling tools that can help mitigate some of the challenges and still ensure that employees have a chance to disconnect and recharge. And believe me, I understand that part very well. Yeah. You have some practical tips uh, for employees who are looking to disconnect from work outside of office hours? Um, Yeah, yeah, sure. I would say one tip is to establish a specific time each day when you stop checking work emails or messages. That says that you have created a clear boundary between work and personal time. Another tip is to designate a digital detox day each week when you refrain from using any electronic devices for work-related purposes. And it's a little bit harder to do, but it can help you recharge and focus on other aspects of life. But, you know, as we've been saying, you still need to know what's required of you in the specific job that you have. What about all the new technology and and, uh, the influence it has on the need for right to disconnect policies? What what role does technology play uh, either supporting or or hindering that work-life balance? I mean, technology has made our lives easier to stay connected, that's for sure. But it's blurred the lines between work and personal life. There's constant notifications. It can make it challenging to disconnect from work, even when we're supposed to be off the clock. But at the same time, technology also offers solutions. There's productivity tools. There's communications apps. Lots of things that help us better manage our workloads and stay organized. Can we learn anything from uh, some of the policies that you mentioned that other countries have in place? Um, Different cultures, you know, they have varying attitudes towards work-life balance. I know in some European countries, there's strong emphasis on work-life balance. And like we said earlier, there's those laws in place to protect employees. But in contrast, countries like Japan, there's long been a culture of long working hours, and there's a reluctance to take time off. But I think there's lessons to to be learned from both approaches. Companies can benefit from adopting policies that prioritize employee well-being. What future trends do you see in in this right to disconnect, Scott? Because you have all the remote work and hybrid work going on now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the future of work is definitely changing. More people are working remotely and there's freelance work. The shift has highlighted the importance of being flexible and having autonomy in the workplace. Um, But I read the other day that companies that embrace remote work are now requiring people to return to at least a hybrid model. So, you know, those Despite those types of shifts, I think we're still going to see a greater emphasis on work-life balance and mental health in the future. Because companies, at the end of the day, they recognize the value of happy, healthy employees, no matter where they're working. Okay, so how do you, how do you disconnect? Do you even know how, Scott? 
<laughs> the time-saving answer to that question, Bob, is no. The <laughs> real answer is I'm not really great at it, but I've gotten better at it over the years. I've identified the need for breaks from social media, and we've talked about those. And, you know, so I've identified opportunities to take time for myself. But when I worked in newspapers, it was really difficult for me to unplug. It goes back to what we were saying before about, you know, social media. Plus, you know, I don't think any of us really knew what was happening to us mentally, physically as a society because we were so plugged in all the time. But that was new. Now that we have so much data to work with, it seems like it's a little bit more top of mind. Mm, yeah, and it probably should be. Let's open up the Genius Bar. As you know, Scott, Apple uh, put out some information last week about iPhones, what to do when they're wet, and also uh, an interesting uh, note about battery life. And we had uh, quite a few emails and texts about this. So uh, uh, yeah. clear this up. What are you supposed to do when, when your iPhone gets wet? And then uh, is, it, is it true that when you, when you close apps that are running, it doesn't really save battery life? Clear that up for us. Two, two great questions. When it comes to rice, there's been a long-standing belief that because when you, create, when you make rice for dinner and you put water in the rice, the water gets soaked up right away and the rice is fluffy. And everybody thought that if you put your phone in rice, the same thing would happen and it would dry it out. And that is actually a myth. It may be something that worked a long time ago in some specific case, but honestly, you can actually get small pieces of rice in your phone, in your charger, which is going to make it permanent damage. Water may cause permanent damage, but what you should technically do is turn your phone upside down, let as much water drip out as possible, and put the phone in a place where it can dry. Hmm. And you're going to have to just find out whether your phone is okay after that. It's just one of those things. But you don't want to use rice. And the thing about the battery life is very, very true. There has been a lot of advancement in battery technology over the years, a lot of advancement. And now when you actually quit those apps, you're actually using battery power to quit the apps. Your battery knows how to adjust to keep those apps open in the background, and it changes based on those needs. So when you're manually closing it, you're actually causing more strain on your battery. So you don't. it's one less thing you need to worry about. I guess. And all those times uh, that we thought it worked to put the phone in rice and, and, and yep. then it, it, it dried out, it may, have, it may have worked without the rice. Maybe it was just the fact of, you know, <laughs> placing it and the position it was in. It's, it's very it's, interesting. It's very, very true. And it's also possible that people got rice actually stuck in their phone and they actually made it that much worse. Scott Kleinberg, appreciate it. Scott, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Have a good one. You too, Bob. Take care.